And now, rate that album, season three, with Paul Muadib and Joe Fremming, two guys who know stuff. Hi, and welcome back to Rate That Album, back and forth album review between myself, Joseph Fremming, and my good friend, Paul Muadib. Paul, how are you doing? I have PTSD from this week, buddy. <laughs> How are you doing? <laughs> yeah, I'm just uh, staring at the sun like Donald Trump, Paul. <laughs> You're not the only one, sir. <laughs> <laughs> you think when Bono was saying that he he had a vision of Donald Trump in the future staring dead right into the sun? <laughs> you know, if the, if the Simpsons had predicted things, I think you two has put out enough album and songs. They predicted Donald Trump staring into the sun. <laughs> yes, sir. I do. <laughs> All right, and that brings us to this week's album and a band. I, I feel like we're just going to eventually get to anyway. Uh, you two and the album pop from 1997. Uh, I picked this because uh, I remembered over the years as that is this being the only U2 album I've ever enjoyed? Uh, so a little Paul and I are children of the 80s and into the 90s. Mm-hmm. And during that time, the biggest band in the world was U2. Huge. Huge. Like, just huge. And I was an outlier in that they never did anything for me. Never yeah. did. Uh, just, I just couldn't get into them. Uh, didn't really care about them. I heard the songs in the radio and was largely indifferent until 1997 when they released the album pop. And the first track I heard, uh, was discotheque. Now I remember thinking, Hey, I don't mind this at all. And so that is where I started with this. And, uh, that's how I remembered hearing the singles off this album. It was like, ah, I don't mind this. I don't mind this at all. Like, this is probably, this is pretty good. And I remember thinking, man, this, uh, I bet everybody likes this album. And years <laughs> later, when I started working in record stores, I was quick to find out you two fans did not like this album, Paul. No, no. Uh, Which is so, weird because it's like the third and like their most when they're kind of a experimental phase, as I understand it, starting with uh, Ak Chung Baby, Zuopra, and then this. Uh, mm-hmm. This is like the redheaded stepchild of you two. And of course, it's the one that I was somehow drawn to because uh, I'm just a son of a bitch like that, I guess. <laughs> so not, I just want to state. I don't like it because I'm being contrarian. I actually. So nope. at this time in my life, when this album came out, I was in high school and I was really into industrial music, which mm-hmm. uses a lot of uh, dance beats, uh, hip hop rhythms, uh, a lot of the stuff that U2 incorporates into this. So like when I was listening to like KMFDM and ministry and nine inch nails, a lot of the elements in this album were used on those albums, which came before it. So yeah, this was kind of like, for me, it was like, it was up my alley. 
I can absolutely see why you like this album, 100%. And I thought about it when I was listening to it. I'm like, yes, absolutely. So my... Your my PTSD, Paul. Yeah. So my, with a little story about how you used to like you too I, until yes, the dark times. Until the dark times. So I don't mean to put anyone on blast. And if the gentleman who probably hears this story is listening to this podcast, no harm, no foul, man. Like I'm over it. So I want to make that very, 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 very clear. Paul's putting you into the blast zone. Blast zone. um so i my sister was a big influence on me musically my my oldest sister um and like uh she got into um uh youtube with joshua tree rattle and hum octone baby um all those like those big ones and there are a lot of like classics on that album then you had zoo syropa you had pop and so by that time i was pretty much kind of getting out right and (sighs) around the elevation tour and how to dismantle an atomic bomb around that era um i was in one of my bands around that time and there was a gentleman in that band who was huge in the u2 huge 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 and brilliant musician brilliant drummer um i have never worked with another drummer that ever had the kind of skills this gentleman had but he was so obsessed with you too. We'd watch YouTube part, you know, like when we lived together, we watched YouTube. Um, I guess, you know, uh, I, I, we watched YouTube con YouTube concerts and like all these things. And we had to do YouTube, um, performances and the like covers. And oh, that sounds like my personal hell. <laughs> it wasn't that bad, but God, I feel so bad telling this story, but it's cathartic, so I'm going to. There, one of the songs that we ended up writing was a song called Elevate, and it was directly in a a direct lineage to the ele- the Elevation tour. Like it was just, it went beyond. Um, homage, it, homage. Yes, yes, it went beyond homage to a really odd pale comparison of sorts sorry you got background noise there for a second and like i just and this guy could sing he could sing so so well but we ended up breaking up part of it was because of the record uh record contract thing but the other part of it that was the problem was he was such an amazing drummer and singer but he didn't want to be phil collins and i get that but we had other singers in in the band, but he really wanted to be a front man and he wanted to emulate Bono on stage. And I grew to really dislike you too due to this whole thing. So in really fair comparison, bringing up the, the comment that came last review um from the aaron lewis review i am going to fully admit that i have some biases against you too because of these 
particular things. So when I did my notes this time and went through it, I really worked hard to try and put these aside, but understand that I was a fan of you too. And then I can't got to the point where I couldn't even listen to them on the radio. So having to listen to this was a struggle to begin with. Um, so there's my story, Joe. Yeah. So see, it's weird. Cause you come from having enjoyed you too, where I come from not really liking them. And so I worked at a place and I worked with this guy back in the early two thousands and he would only listen to Christian rock. Oh, and like, so the only music outside of Christian rock that he would listen to was U two. So I heard a lot of U two and this is like one of the times where I'd look through this guy's CD case desperate for at least maybe a U2 album I'd like. And I remember just re- asking, how come you don't have pop? And it was just like dead glare from the guy. <laughs> <laughs> and then over the years when I'd work at CD Warehouse, uh, I never said it at the fe- electric fetus because like by then like, I just never wanted to talk about U2 and whatever. But when I worked at, when I started working at CD Warehouse, you know, I'd put in, you know, one of their albums every now and then just because they sold. If people saw it in the player and had it on the display, they would usually just grab that used copy and whatever. Mm-hmm. And people would ask me, like, yeah, man, you too. Like, what's your favorite album? And I'd be like, pop and just dead-eyed glare. <laughs> <laughs> and then they'd just do this. I think you mean Zoopra or maybe Estrung Baby. And I'd be like, nope, I like pop. And like, no, nah, no, nah, you, you got it confused. That's not the one you like. And I'd be like, no, I like the one with staring at the sun on it. And they'd be like, just disgusted by me, Paul. <laughs> just fucking disgusted. Yeah. And I think part of that is because this one really doesn't have a lot. I mean, it does. It, I, at least I can hear it. Um, but I feel like people are used to you two having a certain vocal sound. They're used to the edges, certain guitar sound, a guitar sound that Henry Rollins once pointed out is just the same riff over and over again with just different effects. Pretty much. Yeah, pretty much. And And I think that's probably why I was also drawn to this because it's such a different album for them. Yeah. Yeah, it is. It is. It really, really is. Um, I mean, I think I think they were headed there in Zeropa, and then they then they really started getting to it in pop. And I actually think had they continued down that way, um, I think that they should have continue down that route but that's we can get to that later i mean i think so too because after this all their albums went back to that classic u2 sound to me where i was just like indifferent because you know it's not bad it's just not my thing i don't care and Mm -hmm. like a lot of like a thing was a common thing theme for me in these reviews is how much i dislike smug and yeah u2 uh, pre-pop and post-pop U2 is just too smug for me. You know, it's interesting. I, again, I watch because I had to watch a lot of YouTube like like live performances and shit like this when I was living with that guy. And I remember watching a documentary that he owned. 
And one of the things that they said was that immediately when they formed a band, Bono said Megalomania had taken over. Like they knew they were going to take over the world. And it was really interesting to see this really young, very pomp. Like he, you know, those people, when you look at them, you just want to punch them in the face. That is what Bono looked like as a young kid starting out in that band. And you can just see the smugness coming off of him. And that's always been a thing with you too, with me is it's hard to separate the pretentiousness of them from the art. Yeah. It's always, it's always been a, a struggle uh, with me. Same, same I, here, same here, same here, Paul. Like it's, yeah. it's, it's like, you know, a lot of times I just see like those music videos and just be like, fuck you. Right. <laughs> right. Uh, you know, and I loved it because if you ever find it, it's on YouTube. Henry Rollins talking to Howard Stern about you too. <laughs> he just really rips into him. It's great saying how the clash was the band that you two always wished they were. <laughs> <laughs> I love Henry Rollins. I really show me do. the lie in that one. I think lie. <laughs> Yeah. So, but again, it's just like this was the weird outlier album for me, and that's why I picked it. Because mm-hmm. again, I've not a fan, but I, you know, it's. But here's the thing: I'm not a fan, but I I'm going in even with these biases, Paul, and I, I'm still like, yeah, I like, I like a lot of this stuff on here, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. which is weird, you know. But see, it can go that other way, you know. Unlike you know, Aaron Lewis just sucked for me, but whatever. It- it was tough. Aaron Lewis was tough because again, but, I, I, yeah, yeah, we went over that. We, we put a fucking nail on that. that. Yeah. We have a whole podcast, but, but yeah, yeah. yeah good, even yeah. like going in with some biases, I can sometimes be surprised. Yes. And I will, I think knowing my biases and my feelings of you two and kind of just how much I actually refuse to listen to you two. Did, did uh, your singer buddy wear like the wraparound black shades too? No. <laughs> oh, wait a minute. God, I think he, well, he, I think he might have at one point. <laughs> I think he might have at one point. He, he would like when we would do live shows sometimes. And again, guy was a, per, was a fantastic again, singer and everything. But we had a guy behind the drums that just was not, was not ready for it. Let me put it that way. He wasn't ready for it. And he, I could watch what he was doing because I had watched these same YouTube videos and he would completely be mimicking Bono on stage. Again, it wasn't even an homage. It was like, I'm going to be the next Bono. And it was like really super cringy and frustrating, at least for me. And again, I feel bad saying this. So again, if you're listening to this dude, I'm over it, but man, it was a different time and we were all on a bunch of drugs. So there you go. Uh, <laughs> Plus Paul put you in the blast zone. Uh, blast zone. No, I didn't really mean to, man. I, I love you to death, but it was a tough time. Yeah. And this is just, like I said, this is therapy for me right now. And it's been fucking t- over 20 years. So I think it's about time I fucking air these grievances. Well, my bill will be in the mails. This is going to cost you $400. Fucking wonderful. I'll write the check. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Let's get into this, Paul. Let's get into this uh, strange uh, techno dance pop album that you two 
Yeah. Just unleashed in the world. Like, I could go through the wiki, but the wiki is so long because, again, it's written by a YouTube fan. So it's just. Oh, God, it's it's a nightmare. I just I don't have the time. I, I don't have the time to go through every detail of what the band was going through, because, again, I'm not a YouTube fan, so I don't really care what they're going through. Fair enough, sir. Fair enough. Uh, the album opens with Disco Tech. Uh, this was the song that I remember seeing the video. And I remember thinking, like, huh, this isn't bad. Like, I don't mind this. And I was kind of like, and I was in the minority, obviously, even in Bon, except for like one of my friends, Matt, was really into like some of these songs on here. Uh, and, but mostly, like, again, like, this was a, I don't know. I don't remember anybody liking this album or liking any of these songs. It felt like, it came out and I was like the one guy who was like, I like this amongst the, the roar of booze. Boo! Fuck you, you two. Yeah. I don't mind it. <laughs> I was saying blue lines. Oh, it's an okay album. Boy, it's okay. But yeah, it starts with a pretty much this is a dance dance song uh, mm-hmm. looped with like hip hop beats, dance beats. <laughs> For some reason they use the chorus from Nirvana's rape me. Yeah. Uh, well, they've never, they, been, they've never shied from their thieving. You two no. a thieving band. You two is the bullet, the blue sky. Guess what song that is. That's stranglehold by Ted Nugent. And I'd rather yeah. listen to stranglehold by Ted Nugent. And I don't even like Ted Nugent, but here's a game with that biases. <laughs> I hate Ted Nugent, but I like the song stranglehold. So fuck. Yeah, I don't know. It's hard. It's hard not to like stranglehold, but it's also hard to like Ted. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I, don't, I don't like old, Ted. Either. Old pants pooper Ted. <laughs> Good old pants pooper Ted. Good old child molested Ted. Um, <coughs> Gary Glitter. Um, so, yeah, I actually it's funny you brought up the rape me from the lyrics of, of Nirvana. I have here i i was like this is a poor man's epic by faith no more lyrically like 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 when you really look at it it's like you can reach it you can reach but you can't grab it you can't hold it control it you can't bag it you can even paul they're thieving. they're thieving you can push but you can't direct it circulate regulate oh no you cannot connect it I was like, Jesus Christ, you thieving fuck. Um, <laughs> so, so, yeah, I, it's just, it's poor man's uh, epic by Faith No More. Now, instrumentation, musically and production-wise, I ha- will admit, it's a well-done blend of rock, electronica, pop, hip-hop um, that was coming out at the time. Um, there was a lot of bands trying to get this sound, and I think this one kind of incorporated it well. It's kind of like when... um when Weird Al did Dare to be Stupid and he really nailed that Debo sound, I feel like you two really nailed this particular sound that was coming out in that late 90s, uh, uh, mid uh, mid to late 90s kind of hybrid that was coming. And it, Let's talk about this a little bit because in th- this came out in 97 and this is a year where oh, a 90. lot of bands started mixing mm-hmm. rock with uh, techno, electronic, electronica um 
dance. Uh, this album, OK Computer by Radiohead and Earthling by David Bowie. Yes, absolutely. Also this year, you had Homework by Daft Punk coming out. You had Dig Your Hole by Chemical Brothers coming out. Yep. You had you had Blur's first album coming out. You was had Out of the Land out in 97 too? I, Prodigy? Because that was another, everyone when Prodigy came on, that was like. That was huge. Was that 97 or 98? I can't remember. I think it was 96, 97. Seven. Yeah, it might have been. I mean, Ween's Mollusk came out. Um, yeah, I mean, you just had 97 was a really crazy year. Um, Primal Scream, Yola Tango, Built the Spill. Pro- yes, Fat of the Land, 1997. Yeah, yeah. But yep, like, yep. So like these dance beats with rock were kind of like coming out. So like Bowie's going to it, U2's going to it, uh, Radiohead's going to it. Yep. So it's really weird that they all kind of like landed in that same area. Um, mm-hmm. But, you know, and this is like, you know, so this is kind of like, um, you know, with Maxwell and <laughs> this Mortal Coil. I love the music on this, uh, but what gets in the way is Bono's uh, uh, yeah. gibberish a lot of the time for me. Yeah, and I have here, it is impossible for this, when I listen to Disco Deck, it's really impossible to deny Bono's talent as a singer. Yeah. But the problem is, it's a lot of gibberish. Um, and I have a, 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 I have a note later um that basically says look he's trying to be deep he has this thing about trying to be deep and while he can be it still comes off as pretentious and shallow (laughs) and like it feels like you're trying to be deep because you're saying these things but i don't think these things mean what you think they mean and you think everyone else should catch up to you and be like oh no he totally means this when dude you just said a bunch of fucking jabberish yeah 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 uh, mm-hmm. so, but yeah, so it was a weird year. And, but yeah, so they jumped on it. All these bands did, and this album was actually one of the producers on it is Flood, who was also yes. one of the producers for Nine Inch Nails. So that was not surprising to me. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, the Flood very layered stuff on here was very Reznor-ish to me, and a lot of spite, a lot of a lot of spots. Oh yeah, oh yeah. No, Flood's Flood's a fucking genius. Yeah, he is. He, he is. is. Yeah, 100%. so we go to the next song. Do you feel loved? And this is like one of those. This is filler for me. I enjoyed mm-hmm. the dance beats and all that, but it goes on too long and it doesn't go anywhere. Yeah, I said uh, I felt like it was it's filler, but it felt like another movement. Like I really didn't feel like Dick discotech ended per se. Yeah. It just is kind of like, okay, now we're just kind of moving into almost like a really long outro of disco tech. <laughs> and the lead progression on the guitar is a very catchy hook, but outside of that, it's, uh, and this is the one where I said that it's Bono trying to be deep, but he's not. And it's really funny. I, I read a, um, a interview or something with him where he had said we we were gonna put a question mark at the end of the song but we felt that would be too heavy for the audience and it's like (laughs) what you Like, like what you this is this is the thing like man you make it really hard because you just you 
completely he it's almost like they hate their audience it's fucking weird like he just looks down on everyone and it's hard not to feel that yeah we were gonna put down a question mark but we felt that was too heavy fuck you dude <laughs> just yep, go that hell. Slug thing that's always put me off of this band uh, <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> at least like in this album a lot of that smugness and the lyrics are just like blurred under like these beats and like productions that i'm enjoying so i don't really pay too much attention to his horse shit uh, god but yeah it's a yeah and that goes into mofo which uh yeah this is uh feels like another filler song it has some interesting lyrics yep uh which uh you reference space junk yes which makes me mad because that's Debo. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Um, uh, it is, it is Debo. I said that this was very Moby prodigy stabbing westward musically. Yep. Then you have him doing almost like a Tom York style vocal, which on paper works. But the problem is Bono can't help but slip into that comfort zone that he's created vocally. So he doesn't really stay there. And it kind of changes from what could be this really cool thing and kind of merges into this standard kind of uh, U2 song, which I feel happens a lot on this album, where they have these flashes of really cool, crazy, weird stuff going on. But they always seem to be slipping into some kind of comfort zone or kind of that, hey, we're still you two here. And they're not swinging for the fences with it. Yeah. And for, I feel like they should have swung more for the fences on this, honestly. Like, just make a straight up, like, don't even try to be you two on it. Do something fucking different. Like, yeah. Sometimes and, it feels pretty half assed. Like, and, there's, you know, the songs, when the songs work, they're working. And then it feels like, especially like on Mofo, it feels like, uh, it starts with these really cool again like the production's great but then it's like we're in the comfort zone of being you too yeah it doesn't really mesh that well for me yep yeah no and i completely part, agree and there's like a part in this song that sounds suspicious the, the words are changed but it sounds suspiciously like from revolution number nine that block that kick oh yeah that kick like so you're, <laughs> i mean fuck, go all out with revolution number nine style Fucking weirdness. If the Beatles could do it, fucking you too can. Why? Well, you guys think you're the biggest band in the world? Go for it. What's interesting to me is they 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 say mother suck, even though it's called mofo. But later in the album, he actually does drop an f bomb. He actually drops the word fuck later in the album. So it's like, why didn't you just do that here? You made the song mofo. We all know what that means. Why are you saying mother sucking? On this, when you we know it's motherfucking rock and roll, but again, you couldn't even go in all out on that because, yeah, you know. And then, like at one point, he does say "fuck yeah." It's like, okay, so you, it, it's it, it's like, are you trying to stay PG? Like you, that whole like you can drop so many fucks in a movie before it moves to R. Like what the fuck, man? Not all the rating system for music works, buddy. God, it's so fucking dumb. But yeah, um, and it it does again it feels like lyrically he's trying to say something and i'm sure it means something to him but according to the wiki it's like it's about his mom oh yeah it's a conversation with his mom yes that's right sure but then like is he so afraid like maybe that's the religious shit 
of their upbringing. Like, well, I can't use the F bomb in a song about my mom. Like why? But he does say fuck in the song later. He does. But it's a song about his mom. Uh, well, you know, Oedipus complexes are a bitch, bro. Yeah, bro, uh, <laughs> bro, bro. bro. <laughs> <laughs> but then this is also where I said, hey, this is like like a lot of the songs on here, because they're not leading enough into the, the techno stuff, Yeah, which I'm enjoying, it goes on too long then, because it's yep. just him repeating himself. And that's something Bono loves to do because Bono loves to hear his own voice. Again, I know this is my bias coming out, but I am I am recognizing the good here as well. But yeah, no, that is a problem that Bono has. And you two fans may really love and like it's not a problem. To me, it's a problem because he does that a lot and the songs go on and that's great. But it's us at the same time. It's like, fuck, this didn't need to be six fucking minutes long, man. Nope, unless they were going to totally lean into something more experimental, it did not. Exactly. He's just going to re- be repeating that stuff. So take the production to like weirder places, drop, make weird drops and shit. Otherwise, mm-hmm. you're just, I don't know. Uh, so the next is a song I thought I was going to hate, but I actually ended up thinking was one of the strongest tracks on the album is If God Will Send His Angels. Uh, normally, I'm really like the, you know, the smugness and then. I, I'm not against religious imagery. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, if it's done well, and I think they do it here where I don't feel like I'm being preached at mm-hmm. unlike other times. So yeah, I, this was a song. This is where I'm like, okay, this is kind of going back to how U2, U2 sounds, but it still has the weird production, which mm-hmm. still keeps me in it. So yeah, this was, it has like some wah guitar in it, and the the production is good. And I actually think his vocals and stuff. I mean, this is like where he's kind of, I don't know if he's reined in a bit, but it feels like he's not going full Bono on this. All right, I'm gonna read my notes verbatim right here because it's so funny. One of my top favorite songs on the album. It has that YouTube feel that I enjoy, but with the weird production that just works so well along with the reined in vocals. Um. <laughs> exactly, what I said. It's exactly what you said, dude. <laughs> you nailed it. Like you're gonna, you took the words right out of my mouth. Um, <clears throat> yeah, you, you know me. I'm an ex. I'm an ex. Um, Christian. I'm an ex. You know, I'm. Um, I'm. A, I'm agnostic atheist, and I will say that the imagery, everything at this, doesn't bother me at all. And I think it's just, it's a really goddamn good song, it's and too, it's like a beautiful gets. song. Yeah. Yeah. And the imagery, this is one of those things that works because he's connecting on a human level, not a I'm better than everyone Bono level. Like this is him being vulnerable. And I think that's what's missing because he just can't be there anymore, Um, either lyrically or whatever it is, because of whatever is going on with him and his megalomania, which he admits to having. Um, so I'm not putting those words in his mouth. Those are, those are words that came out of his mouth. Um, it's, it's good to see him being vulnerable and kind of connecting with people. You can definitely tell he's like, this is him being down and it works so well, you know, down and looking for a lifeline almost. Exactly. If God would send his angels, I could sure use them right here that use them here right now. Well, if God would send his angels, where do we go? I don't want to lie. I don't want to have a feel for the song. I don't want to have a feel for the song and I want to love. 
Oh, wow. Wow. Yeah. Dude, bravo. Fucking bravo to you, man. Yeah. 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 He's, yeah, it's, if he did more of this, I'd probably like it, YouTube, a lot more, but a lot of it's, to me, it's, Mm-hmm. I don't want to say superficial, but it, it borders on it for me because I don't often. I know he, I think he believes what he's saying, but there's also a little falseness to it. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's just this weird, like I said, it makes sense to him and he thinks it's this deep thing. And I think he feels like it's almost like the emperor wears no clothes kind of thing, right? Where people are like, man, he's so deep. And you go, is he really? Is he really? Or is he just throwing these things and being like, eh, look at this? And I'll be honest. I feel like Tom York kind of has the same Messiah thing going to him where people are just like, oh, my God, he's so gene. Is he? Is he really? Because I think he's just saying shit. I think sometimes Tom York is playing you guys for a fucking fool. And I think Bono's doing the same fucking thing. Oh, I'm sure. 100%. Yeah. So up next we have Staring at the Sun. Now, what I like, so my two favorite songs of the album are back to back. Mm Mm-hmm. That makes things simple for me, Paul. It makes life a little simple. <laughs> yeah, hundred percent. You go from that to this, where this is such a catchy song. Uh, you know, this is like these two songs back to back. It's like, okay, now I kind of see why people like you too. Mm-hmm. Uh, whereas Mofo is like, ah, this is why I don't like you. <laughs> yeah, 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 absolutely. But yeah, the start is acoustic song. It's simple. It's catchy. I like the distorted guitar effects on here. Absolutely. Yeah. It really gets away from that chorus kind of echoey delay thing that that Edge is really known for with his guitar. Yeah. And it, it and it's great to hear because he is a great guitarist and it's great to hear him do some other effects and other things with that. I think that's why I like a lot of this, uh, his work on this album, because it doesn't really sound like his typical U2 stuff to me. 100%. I think it put him out of his comfort zone. Mm-hmm. And uh, he's one of the only members of the band who actually likes this album. So <laughs> I don't blame him. He, he probably, probably, probably had a lot of freedom. It probably challenged him too, you know. Yeah. Like, so yeah, yeah. This is a this is a banger. This is a good song. It is. I have it written. It, it's the biggest hit off the album by far. Like this yep. is the one that did it. And yep. again, it's the same as if God would send his angels as that standard U2 feel, but with the weird production instrument in, uh, instrumentation sound, it really feels like a next level U2. Like I wish that's where they put their new standard. Like when they did Octon Baby and kind of evolved, I feel like they missed the mark here because staring at the sun should have been the next plateau. And instead, with the reception and everything from this album, I feel like they're like, we're never going there again. Yeah. And I really think they could have done something. It's almost as tragic in a way as Radiohead. I I really think somewhere Radiohead has an album that is like another rock album after OK Computer um, that didn't go to um kid a and i kind of feel like this is also kind of that same thing where we live in the darkest timeline where you two didn't make the next leap from staring at the sun and going forward with that kind of production and guitar and instrumentation and experimentation yeah they jumped back into it's a beautiful day oh fuck fuck you fuck you fuck you that's when i like you know that's how i learned to hate you too again was that? yeah 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 i can write a song how i learned to hate you too again <laughs> oh all right mm-hmm. uh, up next uh 
song I actually didn't is Last Night on Earth. I thought this was uh, interesting, but what I like about it, because <laughs> it sounds, I wrote my notes, it sounds like one of those Tangerine Dream songs from a Michael Mann movie. <laughs> okay. So it sounds like it's from Manhunter and Thief. It's amazing. <laughs> so I actually said lyrically, it hits my pet peeve because it's, you got to give it away. And it's so much repeating. It's yeah. so much repeating. Yeah. The lyrics do nothing for me, but the music, I was just like, yeah, this could be in a Michael Mann movie. <laughs> and I said, musically, it sounds like in excess mis- mixed with some Beatles sensibility, <laughs> 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 which is essentially tangerine dream. So yeah, yeah pretty much. <laughs> pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Christ, man. We pretty much read each other's mind on this fucking album. Fuck, I guess. <laughs> uh, all right. Um, next, we got Gone. And I said, it's more of a slide back in the usual U2, yeah. in my opinion. This felt like filler to me. It felt like filler, I said. And then I said, however, there is something about it that I enjoy. I feel like I like it more than I should for what I think is a filler song. I did, didn't, I wasn't like, God, I hate this song. I was like, okay, whatever. But compared to the last three songs, I was like, e, this is a backslide. Yeah. I almost feel like uh, with the fillers on here, like, you know, I know they got rushed or like, maybe they should just release this as an EP. Yeah. And there was, there was concern. I guess they had to get on tour and they were concerned with getting the album done. So I think we got a lot of unfinished versions and in, in interviews and things like that, there definitely seems to be the case that, Hey, there was different things we want to do. We're not sure that we got the right version on the album. Yeah. Bono called it the most expensive demo ever made. Pretty much, yeah. But whatever. I don't blame him. But whatever. All, I mean, that fucker put it out, so it's all on him. It is kind of on him. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, God didn't really do much for me. No, no. Miami now. <laughs> Musically, this was interesting to me. This was a weird fucking song. <laughs> yes. But like, it's weird in a good way, as opposed to the next track, which I have so many problems with. Oh, yeah. But Miami to me, it was like, this was such a good, weird left turn for me that like, while not my one of my favorites on the album, I can appreciate them for doing something this fucking bizarre. Yeah. So my what I have here, the, there was something about this song I uh, that was bothering me. I, I still I was hoping by the time we did the podcast, I would know what it was. But I know it reminds me of another song, but I can't remember what song that is. But there's something about the vocal effect on it with the drums in the beginning, especially. I'm like, fuck, I've heard this before, but the I can't are backward looped too, which is yeah, weird. Which, Which is again, weird. like, kudos, fucking dude, something weird. Well, and I, I said the production choices on this one were odd and questionable. <laughs> I said, but unfortunately, and unfortunately, I don't think U2 was and is eclectic enough to make it work. I think another band could have taken these these things and made it work better. I think with, with Miami, I think, and I again, I applaud them, actually, again, taking my bias out of it, I applaud them for going down this road and trying to make something this fucking odd and weird and um, <laughs> experimental, but I don't think they have the gravitas, which is really odd to say about U2, because U2 has a wheelhouse, and this was so off, so outside that wheelhouse that you can just feel how uncomfortable everyone is being that far outside of it, yeah. that it didn't ever become cohesive to me. 
Yeah, no, I agree. But I mean, kudos for at least trying. Again. Fuck yeah. It's one of those things like a common thing for us. At least they tried to do something weird. Mm-hmm. Look different. Fuck. A lot of bands don't. We will like, applaud, we we will applaud the post, trying. The post pop era, you two, we just went at beelined right back to Joshua Tree. Pretty <laughs> much. Look back. Yeah, it's really, really unfortunate. Yeah, 100%. 100%. Now we go to the Playboy Mansion, oh. which contains the dumbest beat poetry I've ever heard in my life. Oh, thank God you said it, too. Fuck me. I hate this song. If Jack Kerouac had brain damage, you'd get this. <laughs> <laughs> it's got that faux funk that just doesn't work. It feels like a fucking filler song. And it this is this is the one thing that made me go... God damn it, Bono, you are fucking pretentious. Oh, yeah, this, this is like my note is this is the self-righteous bullshit the album has been missing so far. <laughs> pretty much. This is what I'm talking about when you, when Bono thinks he's smarter than everyone in the room. And he says these things and you have these sycophants going, oh, my God, he's so... He's so brilliant. If Coke is a mystery, Michael Jackson history, if beauty is truth and surgery, the fountain of youth, what am I to do? I got these. Have I got the gifts to get me through the gates of that mansion? Fuck you. Like, dude, take your shit and shove it elsewhere, man. I'll say this. Bono's not an idiot, but he's not as smart as he thinks he is. Right. And like, and if you need to exhibit a on that, Paul, here it is. If OJ is more than a drink and a Big Mac bigger than you think and perfume is an obsession and a talk show confession, what have we got to lose? Fuck you. Fuck you. Another push and we'll be through the gates of that mansion. Fuck you, dude. Like, I've never bought a lotto ticket. I've never parked in anyone's space. What the fuck are you talking about, man? The banks, they're like cathedrals. I guess casinos took their place. Are you on acid? Like, are you, you are you that stoner that just is like, man, everything is so fucking profound right now. And like, when you come down, like you go back and you listen to your fucking recording, you go, what the fuck was I on about? Like, <laughs> that's what this feels yeah, like to me. Yeah, this was bad. This was just like, this is one of those songs where I was just like, man, Bono needs his ass kicked or something. <laughs> because like... He never got a good whooping in life that he deserved. <laughs> I just think the Edge should have took him aside and been like, dude, no. Like, just <laughs> like, no. Dude, no. 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 No, this isn't be like Lars's dad and <laughs> would say in anger, <laughs> you must delete this. <laughs> you must not do this. And I'm sure Bono was like, I couldn't do it, man. So, yeah, I didn't, I didn't like it. Yeah. Um, this is kind of like where – so Playboy Mansion on for me is uh, – Pure jackassery. (laughs) 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 So we get that if you wear that velvet dress and it's just like, Uh, okay, one, he's whispering like Lindsey Buckingham. So I'm already fucking. (laughs) (laughs) We know you're out. (laughs) You're done. You're done, Bono. The song is terrible. Yeah, I said it's like it's trying to be. And again, we talked about this last album making new genre styles, but. Um, it feels like it's trying to be like a neo lounge song and it just never quite comes together. Definitely filler. Like this is straight up a filler song, a demo song. There's just, it, it, it's missing 
so much sheen to it and something to button it up and make it work. It just, it falls apart. It just does like it, it, it comes apart like a velvet dress. It just shreds in the fucking wash, man. I don't know. Yeah. There's an idea there, but it's just not fully formed. And I don't know. It's, it's pure jackassery, Paul. It is pure jackassery. I will give you that. I like that term. Jackassery fucking chuckleheads. Yeah. (laughs) Goddamn waterheads. Goddamn waterheaded baby. <laughs> oh, then we get please, which is, you know, again, like the production on this I love, but the Oh God, Paul. I can't imagine how irate you are with all the pleases in this song. <laughs> Dude. Oh. So I said lyrically, fuck you. <laughs> lyrically, fuck you. Because it just hits everything wrong with me. I said this is another lounge style. It is. I wrote it is another lounge style song that flows into what feels as like older U2. And I'm not sure why they go why these last two songs have gone to this lounge style. It just, it doesn't work. And U2 electronica lounge is nothing. Anyone has ever said the world was missing, wanted or needed. <laughs> you know what the world's missing, Paul? U2 electronic lounge. <laughs> the world's fucking missing right now. Okay. All right. Yeah. It's, it's just, it's live uh, at the Flamingo in Vegas with Daft Punk. That's right. It does. It feels like a shitty Vegas song. It really does. You had to win. You just couldn't pass the smartest ass at the top of the class. Your flying colors, your family tree, all your lessons in history. Please, please, please get off your knees. Please, 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 please. Fuck you. Fuck you. Fuck you. Fuck you. (laughs) So many pleases. God damn it. Yeah. Yeah. And then the album ends with Wake Up Dead Man, which I'm just going to assume is a reference to Turn Me On Dead Man from Revolution 9. Yep. The Beatles. My notes is musically interesting. I think they're doing some weird stuff on here, but it just kind of falls flat for me. See, for me, I said, I think this is my favorite song on the album. <laughs> I enjoy the reverb vocals, the musical buildup, the weird minor chord progression. It's so fucking weird. And yet for me, they make this one work. And I was like, okay, which is odd because lyrically it pisses me off in every single fucking way of the word. Cause it's just wake up, wake up, dead man, wake up, wake up, dead man. And listen to this, listen, listen, listen. It's like, fuck you. Like, but I would love to see bands take this sound and another band that could do it better and, and run with this sound because I actually really like this one. Yeah. Yeah, I thought it was all right, but I felt like it just, they didn't, I don't know, just, it, it fell flat for me a little bit, so. Yeah. Sure, and it didn't need to be five minutes long either, I will say that. Yeah, no. It didn't need to be five fucking minutes long. Five, six minutes long. No, not a fucking one. Now, I did listen because when I was looking, apparently something had said that Holy Joe Guilty Mix was also on pop, and I, every version of. I didn't have it. So. Okay, so every version I looked for didn't have it, but it was uh, it was written somewhere that that was on it. So I did listen to that. I just said filler bullshit. Didn't like it at all. Um, it's just not a good song. So, but apparently it was actually off like a discotheque B side or something. Like it was the B, and it was just something they put on there to put out a B side. So. But yeah, no, it wasn't actually on anything. But yeah, I'd read something where it's like, oh yeah, Holy Joe Guilty Mix is also part of pop. And I was like, it's not on any of the fucking albums I'm finding. So yeah, 
Nope, I didn't. Fucking fuck assholes. I didn't, I didn't bother listening to it. Good, because, yeah, you put yourself through less hell than I did. So, <laughs> shit we do for our art. Um, let's, Joe, let's let's get into, uh, I know we don't want to to give completely in the wiki, but let's talk about the aftermath of this album. <laughs> well, I mean, they went on a the tour, the Pop Mart tour. I remember they played like a documentary of that on TV. I think I watched it on MTV, and I remember I mean, them playing in a giant lemon. Am I wrong? Am I, I wrong? believe you're right. Giant lemon. I think no, 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 no. There was a giant lemon. Yep, 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 yep. There was a giant lemon. And like olive and shit like that. Yep. Yeah, it was like, it, you know, it looked pretty impressive, but uh reminded yeah. me of the cherry at the Walker Art Museum, honestly. Yeah. Uh yeah, and that was kind of like where I ended. Like I saw that thing and then I just never really thought of U2 again until I started working in record stores. Uh it was according to the super long critical reception, you know, it was favorably reviewed when it came out and but, you know, a lot of haters, mm-hmm. especially over time. I was interested because it's on. Uh, I guess I don't know if I'm surprised that it's but it's uh, Elvis Costello included it on his in 2000 of the list of 500 albums you need. I wouldn't say you would need pop, but I would say uh, of all the U2 albums, and this would be the only one I'd recommend. I love Elvis Costello, 100%. That guy's fucking great. Yeah, I mean, it did really well. I mean, the, the hardest one was the, was the Orlando Sentinel, which gave it two out of five stars. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, it, it really it landed well with landed well, But then I think once the dust settled, then people mm-hmm. started, the knives started coming out. Yes. Yes, I and think for people it wasn't a lot. Maybe they didn't see the replay value like they did with, you know, Joshua Tree with all the like Joshua Tree's like hit after hit after hit. Yep, uh, Act Hung Babies kind of like that too. But this was just like it's, you know, I think the fans got in the comfort zone. I think so, but I also think that. Y- even during the tour and everything like that, they were really hard on the album themselves. Yeah, well, to the point like they barely played any any songs of it anymore. Right. Well, I mean, and and just and I mean, they've come out and been like, oh, we didn't really like that. And U2 has a really rabid fan base. They really, really do. It's a really interesting well, fan base. Not all the members hated it, Paul. The Edge still likes this. Album. And, I, and I love that the Edge does because I totally get why the Edge loves it. Like, it makes yeah, sense I do too. To like, you know, it's just like it got them out of their comfort zone. And as a musician, and I think of the musicians in that band, he's probably the most proficient. Mm-hmm. And I think he's more excited to get out of the pocket, if you will. Yep. So, yeah, I can see why he liked it, because the reasons he likes it, like where he states, you know, like try to make dance culture a record and realize at the end we can do no EDM, whatever, is the reason I like it is because it's fucking weird and different. And it doesn't. The only times it really for me, it suffers is when they try to rely back on their old uh, sound. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sure for him, that was probably like. I can't speak for him. Fuck that. I'm not going to speak for the edge, but yeah, I can see why he likes it. Yeah, I could see absolutely I can why see they why like something it. like Bono would be like, cause it's a blemish on his perfect record of perfect. Yeah. Albums that Rolling Stones just loved and bent over backwards to give him great reviews. 
Well, and and if and the, the other thing with it was was that there was the 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 promotion for it, there was a documentary about it that was actually narrated by Dennis Hopper. I and almost watched that for this review, and then I was like, yeah. I've seen care. it. I'm like, I don't care enough to rewatch this. I think I watched it when it came out. I'm like, yeah, I don't need to. I've seen it. If I remember correctly, it's one of the one of the things in it is like Bono, like that's when I learned Bono uses an oxygen tank and doesn't talk when he when he's on tour. I'm not fucking kidding you. He wow. he uses an oxygen tank and doesn't talk when he's on tour outside of when he absolutely fucking has to to rest his voice for the performances. He doesn't even and have that great of a voice. I think I that there's there's debate there, man. Like I it it's hard. It's to fine, get. but it's not that interesting to me. That's just more U2 jackassery, man. <laughs> sure, sure. But, I mean, he is considered an amazing vocalist. And I, it's hard to say, you know, that he's not. I mean, in terms of, like, range, sure. I mean, you know, Mike Patton has a five, six octave range. Bono says, he's, Bono says himself that he has a three octave range. But where he hits and how he hits and the way his vocals work with what you two does musically, there's a really good synergy there, I think, is what it is. I think it's more or less his vocals work that the band and are, are he really need to be re relaxing his vocals like he's fucking Mick Jagger. No, you know no, what I mean? like, no, it's, it's, it's not like he's not doing the five octaves, he doesn't need the oxygen tank, he just needs a kick in the dick. Kind of, but but the <laughs> point is picking Bono's dick. Back back to the documentary. The documentary flopped, like really really bad. It was ranked um, like like it, it was considered the worst non. Um, was it the worst pol both politically non politically? It was the worst non politically rated um, documentary in the history of the ABC network, which is what it aired on. Like, and it was. It did no favors for the NBC station. And I think that right there is like one of the big cracks to them. Like, oh man, already, you know, like it just, they didn't get the album done. The documentary didn't go well. The tour didn't go well. And I think fans themselves have latched on to the band. I think the band kind of created the area of the fact that don't like this album. And I think that's more so what it is versus like, because going back and listening to it, fuck, there's a lot of shit that works and people should be going back to pop and being like, Hey, this isn't that bad. This is actually, there's some really good stuff here. And again, that's coming from a guy that has a bias against you two. So the fact that people who like you two can't do that, that says more about the cult of personality than it does the album. Yeah. In my opinion. Yeah. Yeah. It's whatever, you know, Yep. A lot of jackassery with this band. It's, like, <laughs> it's a ton. It's a ton. It's a ton of jackassery. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 100%, Joe. Just but yeah. But it's like, this, well, I mean, if you look at it after this album and like the ego bruise, I guess, that Bono took, maybe the other guys, they just went back to the safety zone. Man. Well, they That's did like, all you. Yeah, all you can't leave behind, and then how to dismantle a atomic bomb. If I remember correctly, that was the one that was done for iPod, and basically Bono came out was like the album is dead, and I was like, "Fuck you!" Like that was one of the things that I never 
as a musician, as a lover of music, for someone like you two to come out and be like, we did this because everything is singles going forward. The the music album itself as an album is dead. And that's why we're and this is something he regrets now. He's gone backwards. I'm like, I never well, they've gone that. Back, they released albums after that. Right. Right. But yeah, no, he came out and was like, yeah, you know, the album is like, like everything's about singles and the whole music album. And it was like, what the fuck are you babbling about, dude? Yeah, it's just. I think the album after that one was the one they forced on everybody's iPod. <laughs> that, no, that's that's what I'm talking about. Yeah, no, 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 no. They oh, did the do an album. Was that the one that they forced? I don't think that was the one they put on everybody's iPod. I how to dismantle an atomic bomb? I'm pretty sure it was. Pretty sure it wasn't. Uh, no, it wasn't. Um, I thought it was. Oh, songs of the innocence. Paul. Song of the innocent. You're right. I did. How did man, but, but before, you're right. Songs of the innocent. Paul, yes. Paul, you just been put into the blast zone. <laughs> the blast zone. Yeah, good. I deserve the blast zone. I am. Yeah. Okay. So that's what that was. Um, I have to, God, for whatever reason. Yeah, that's the title that, that out. Songs of the Innocence. Like, fuck you. Fuck you. And again, it was, um, yeah, that's the one where they said everything was singles. And it was like, fuck you, dude. Like, god damn it. Um, and then they did, what was it, Line, No Line on the Horizon, which I, by that, by, I, I was completely out of YouTube by that point. And pretty much everything after, I pretty much everything after. How to Dismantle an Atomic Bomb, I have not heard of you 2 I don't even know what they're doing these days. Like, I don't know what their last album was. Doesn't matter. From, oh, uh, they, again, this is the only album of theirs I've enjoyed and paid any attention to. So, yeah. I'm, in, I'm in the pop bubble, Paul. Fair enough, sir. And I, I, you know what? I don't think I want to step out of that bubble. Because, <laughs> like, I did hear, like, that... No line on the horizon when it came out because I was working at CD Warehouse and the U2 fans were all like, yeah, back to form. I'm like, that's a sad state of affairs when an experiment or a band that was pushing the boundaries just go back to form. Yeah, it's, it, it, that, exactly. Right. I And yeah, 100%, Joe, 100%. That's That pretty much to me comes off as a failure. Pretty much comes off as a failure. Yep. When a band that is doing something so cool goes back and doesn't can't evolve or is just like, nope, 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 nope. It's it's a failure. It's it's one of those things where, I mean, again, you look at bands over the years. When's the last time? I mean, I can't remember the last time U2 was really relevant in a musical conversation. Right. But people are still talking about fucking Madonna and what she's doing. That's because she's been able to successfully reinvent herself and not go back to the fucking wheelhouse. So that's how you stay relevant in, in the music industry. You have to be able to make these steps of evolution and you two prove that they couldn't do it. Yeah. They took the, the one thing that people kind of pushed back on and they folded. Yep. hundred percent. Which is just, yeah. So, yep. So Joe, I guess my question too is, would you recommend YouTube pop? Yeah. It, again, I like the electronic dance beats and the weird production. And I mean, Fuck the song. They have that three string songs of uh, God will send his angel staring at the sun and last night on earth. Like mm -hmm. those three in a row are great. And then discotheque. I really like. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I would. I mean, there's like, you know, clunkers here and there. And like, you can completely skip Playboy Mansion unless you want to just like 
hate yourself, but (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, I would. I mean, for me, this is the the one album of theirs that struck a nerve with me. And I know there's other albums they've done that struck nerves with other people and that's their end. But for me, this was where I think this is the U2 I enjoy. And Mm -hmm. a little disappointed. It's only this one album. There's some on Zoo Opera I like too, but for the most part, it's just pop for me. I'm yeah. the outlier, but again, I'm the outlier here. I'm not. <laughs> I'm not of the norm. So yeah, I will say "Numb" was a good song off of Zeropa. Um, yeah. I did like. I remember that right. Yeah. 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 Um, would you I, recommend Paul? So you know, again, I have my biases, but yes, actually, I would recommend this. Um, it was nice. If I was gonna get back in the U2, like again, having all that baggage that i have with you two this was probably the getting in the safe end of the pool because it's nothing mm, on here your buddy was trying to recreate pretty much there was that but it's it's you two but it's not like where twin Peaks season three is pure lynch heroin interjected intravenously i would consider joshua tree octung baby those those albums um pure u2 heroin um this is more like experimental uh maybe a lid or like 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 a like an eighth of marijuana um U2, where it's got the weirdness and things like that. So I didn't feel like, oh my God, I'm overwhelmed with U2 with this album. If that makes it's weird, but it, if that makes sense. Yeah, and it doesn't uh, have like the big radio hits that I think kind of would maybe bog you down a bit. Exactly. Exactly. And because like, when's the last time star- you hear staring at the sun on the radio? I think probably 97 was the last year I heard on the radio. Yeah, I mean, it didn't... It Which didn't is weird because it's such a good song. It's such a good song. But I think Bono pulled it. I think he's like, don't play that. I really do. Um, I th- Yeah, staring at the sun's not on um, a lot of things. I, I mean, all the singles that were off this album, Discotech's not played anywhere. God will send his angels isn't played anywhere. And those are all released as singles. Um, but yeah, as you said, if God will send staring at the sun last night on earth, Discotech, I would say, wake up dead man for me. I like that one. Um, yeah, I would recommend it. I mean, taking my biases outside of it, there is a lot here. And I would encourage you two fans, even though again, I mean, we just spent the last hour shitting on them. Um, to go back and listen to this album because there's actually a lot of good here that I think had you two done this, they could have really grown their audience more versus I think, I think people like you would have continued to stay with you two had they continued this evolution. And I, and I think it grabbed me. It was like, Whoa, that's, that's what I like. And yeah. Yeah. And I think back to the well and I was like, eh, no, Right, and I think Bono has has such a, I think he he, there is such again a cult of personality with U two fans that U two could have put out anything, and then U two fans would have been like, yes, I'm all in. So they really, really missed the boat on this by growing that audience out and trying to do that, and 
I feel like they bit off more they can chew in terms of like the length of time they gave themselves for the production. There's a lot of things that went against them. And rather than just getting up, dusting themselves off and trying again, they just tucked their tails, went home, lost out on an entire audience that had newly discovered them. And, you know, you had, I just think there was, yeah, uh, I'm done. It's just, it's sad. But yes, I would recommend the album. All right. Well, that so, was it. That was Pop by yeah. you too, Paul. Yeah. Took the band-aid off on that one. Uh, <laughs> God, this was, I cannot tell you the emotional strain this one had on me, honestly, dude. <laughs> Way more than I thought it was going to. Oh, fuck. A lot of weird memories and things. Um, So, Joe, you're doing... You get you got your thief review out, and now you're doing Crank. Yep. And have you watched Crank yet? Not yet. All right. I still haven't either. Um, <laughs> so, um, any other plugs that you want to do? Nope. I just want to know what we're listening to next, Paul. Well, Joe, <laughs> I think we're going to do two, and because one's really short. And I want to do it. No, I'll save that one for when I get another one. All right. We are going to do just the one. We've been doing a lot of dude music lately again. A lot of dude music and guy. Well, was not much of a dude. Well, fair enough. But <laughs> 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 um, we're going to do a band that really was huge for a little bit and then went away and i think well i'm not going to give away my my opinions on it but we're going to jump into uh female rock um from the 80s and we're going to do the bangles and we're going to do their third album everything So, how familiar are you with the Bangles, Joe? Favorite bands, Paul. What's that? They're one of my favorite bands. Are they really? Yeah, I love oh, the Bangles. Fucking fantastic. All right, so this will be great. I um, love Susanna Hoffs. <laughs> I like Susanna Hoffs as well. Um, I think she's fucking amazing. Um, yeah, so no, we are gonna, we are definitely gonna be doing, yeah, they're, they're third and pretty much their last real album, I would say, yeah. wouldn't you? I think they did one in like the two thousands after they did the behind the music. Yeah, I know the did Go Go's Do- did, but I, I think the they, they did Doll did. Revolution. Okay, yep, yeah, yeah, they yep. did. Yep, and that didn't really chart well. No, uh, it didn't. Um, but what's interesting on that one was much like how um, Prince had wrote a song for them. Avis Costello um, did did one for they did they did the tear your own head off it's a doll revolution song um um so um but yeah i think uh i think we're absolutely gonna be doing their really and, and it was one of their biggest albums too um so i think if we're gonna jump into the bangles this is really the album to do it all right, we're looking uh, forward to it. All right, and then so other than that, Joe, do we have anything else going on? Anything that we need to 
tackle or discuss? No, not that I think. No, I don't know. All right. Well, do you want to take us out? No. This has been Rate That Album with Paul Muadib and Joe Fremming. Thank you for listening. <laughs>